Hello, and welcome to Gaming Broadcast. I'm your host, Jamie Dale, the Gaming Broad over at GamingBroadly.com, and today I'm joined by special guest Bailey Morrison. Bailey Morrison coordinates digital media projects and marketing for the University of Texas Press. She's been working in university publishing for five years, but also writes her own stuff, which leans towards the, uh, the dark and stormy. And more importantly... Bailey does not play video games and is not sure she even likes them. <laughs> Hi, Bailey. Hi. <laughs> I apologize for my beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's cool. This is a. Uh, I was I was telling Bailey earlier that this is a podcast where I'm not going to try to convince her to play any games. I'm just here to listen and absorb and learn. As uh, some of you may know, during episode two, me and Kyle Armstrong went to South by Southwest and went to this great panel called Video Games for People Who Don't Like Video Games, which was an amazing panel that was all about kind of thinking about why people aren't playing video games and what is it about them not playing video games that we can learn from in terms of moving forward in the gaming industry, but also just because uh, it's it's cool to talk about. Because how many times do you get to talk about people who don't like stuff? Although I guess actually, Bailey, me and you talk about stuff that we don't like. <laughs> All the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just two old curmudgeons. Yep. I'm Sitting in a tree. B-I-T-C-H-I-N-G. <laughs> it's cool. We have the explicit tag on iTunes. <laughs> Good. Thank you. All right. I was about to ask. <laughs> Just so you know, you can say whatever you want, but think of the children. Fuck yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, awesome. So I, I'm going to just come out of the gate like 100%. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go for the Quidditch ball. Okay. That's not oh, right. God. I'm sorry. Okay. What is the, what's the Quidditch? The snitch. I'm going Ooh. for the snitch. Are I you ready no for snitch. this? Okay. <laughs> And the snitch is, so what? what's your deal? With, what's with my damage games? with video games? It's a great yeah, question. I, I know. I want to know. It's a good question. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this very question earlier today to get ready. Um, it's not like I have always hated video games or computer games. Um I think at a certain point in my life, probably around adolescence, my preteen years, I just felt a little excluded from uh, the gaming situations I encountered. So I just decided that's just not for me. Um, Is there a... Ironic- um, wait. Oh, by ironically. Wait, no, no, wait. We got to save the, uh, the irony. Okay. okay. I got to I gotta delve deeper into okay. The, okay. the past moment. We'll get okay. to the future. Okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um so what are these these moments that you were excluded from? I remember when um my brother and I kind of moved from desktop games to sort of a more um Nintendo 64 situation with neighborhood kids where there was more of a group dynamic going on. Um, I was the only gal in the room and started to feel a little excluded. Um, I never felt like my skills were up to par. I probably let my anxiety get the better of me focusing on how well I was performing at the game. <laughs> and You're a stereotype just, threat. That's Exactly. That's... <laughs> I'm a people pleaser and too much in my head. So I think <laughs> when that entered um, the Bailey sphere, games quickly were dismissed as a danger zone of discomfort probably um is a is a, an appropriate way to characterize how i viewed them in my brain um danger but I mean, zone's over, very interesting a danger zone know, especially in, in social situations and, and that started with like the neighborhood kids that we hang out with um I mean, over the years, I would go to parties and people would be playing, whatever, Mortal Kombat, something terrible, not very terribly complicated. And, you know, how I'd participate, but I'd still feel very 
self-conscious and sweat profusely and (laughs) turn all shades of red uh (laughs) just just imagining little little bailey and and all your black clothing just like tugging at your armpits i can't kick that fast um (laughs) so yeah i never felt like my fingers could do what i want i told them to and people seemed just more into it than I was just naturally. I I didn't for whatever reason get the fire in my panties to try harder at gaming. <laughs> and so nice. I, I just said, this isn't for me. I'll go dancing, writing, reading, whatever, but not gaming. Uh, you mentioned that you played games with your brother on, on the desktop. Is there a game mm-hmm. that you remember that you really enjoyed? Probably my favorite um was this game called Neverhood and I looked it up earlier today and it was released in 1996 so I would have been 11 um, Neverhood never like um, ending in hood like H-O-O-D yeah one word Neverhood um, it's a Japanese game that was originally called Clayman Clayman like K-L-A-Y-M-E-N um, and it was all claymation um, oh wow it was a claymation game and it was, um, you solved a bunch of puzzles, um, published by DreamWorks Interactive. And you guide this main character, the Clayman, through um, this world. And you solve little puzzles to, to get further into the world. And these little video sequences kind of um, advance the plot when you unlock something important. Um, and my brother and I would play this um all day in the summer um for a a couple week period and there was a tree that you could have the claimant pick a fruit from and he'd eat it and then he'd do a belch he'd burp and you could you could make him eat like four or five little pieces of fruit from this clay tree and his belch would get longer and deeper every (laughs) time every time (laughs) So my brother, of course, we're just like, we're just going to eat all the fruits and just crack up at this clay man with like waving lips, just like belching into the darkness. It was the, it was brilliant. And, and my brother and I just cracked up, but that's probably the most memorable gaming experience. And we would just be huddled next to each other in front of our PC, um, playing that game. That's so amazing. You know, I want to play that turns. game. turns. You know, we were really good about taking turns. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed it when it was just my brother and I. But um, And then Oregon Trail. We played Oregon Trail. Um, I, I don't have fond memories of Oregon Trail myself. <laughs> uh, it's a very stressful game. I, I could never get out of the homestead. I kept shopping. <laughs> like, I just bought too much and I, I could never, they never let me leave. And then whenever Clay was like, you don't need this, you don't need this, you don't, that's my brother, Clay. Yeah. You don't need this, you don't need this. And then when, when we actually got to like Forge River, I got very upset when my ox drowned <laughs> and when people's legs had to come off and it was just very traumatizing. Uh, and I got a little too invested in the, in the, in the death, the cycle of death and life. Um, and it was very upsetting. I, I, I bought I bought too hard into those narratives, <laughs> even if it was That's pixelated, so like imaginary family members. I was like, no, <laughs> Joshua, why, <laughs> little Herbert, you're tired, little Herbert. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, Oregon Trail was definitely stressful. I remember that being very stressful. Did um, you know there's um a new version of it out now? called really? Oregon Trail O R G A N and it's a retelling of it but with zombies. Oh, of course. <laughs> so it's I should it's... have seen that coming from a mile away. <laughs> oh my. If there is a I... pun, I'm going to know about it. It's I, I, I love it. My life goal. Um but yeah, so they they basically took the same game mechanics and then just used it in a zombie apocalypse setting genius absolutely genius you can play it on your phone if you want to you can also like name the characters after your friends 
to give it a yeah well think about it kind of like the sims like you know that most of them are gonna die so you don't have to name them people you like there's also there's also that you could also do the organ trail version of drowning them in the pool as as most people playing the sims do at least once breaking my heart jamie this is all too (laughs) stressful (laughs) so so i take it that no one died in uh neverhood no no nobody died in neverhood actually no i think somebody might have sacrificed themselves to save two other people but i don't think that it was explicitly a death like he just like floated off into the darkness or something (laughs) i don't know (laughs) surreal i think it's lovely that you remember loving this game and you now kind of like surreal dark fiction yeah, it the whole world was interesting because you got a perspective of where the clayman, where he was, and it was just floating in space on this clay terrain, and it was kind of bizarre. That's so amazing. Um, Can we talk about the yeah. irony of your brother's name being Clay, and you're playing a and game Clayman? that's original name is Clayman? I think he was totally into it. He probably, <laughs> my, my brother at the age of nine probably did research somehow <laughs> on like Prodigy web browser and was like, oh, <laughs> my name You're is Clay. We're playing this game. Through like Netscape, AOL. Yeah, no, Prodigy. <laughs> Prodigy all the way. AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, what worst. was your AIM name? Do you remember? Oh, Waste Bazaar. I, I I have a username that's stuck around since I was a preteen. It's so. pretty amazing. That's yeah. Not many people thinking... have the foresight to choose names that that's will not totally last a lifetime. Yeah, this I is mean, why I most would... children can't name themselves because <laughs> it's a horrible decision ninety percent of the time. It's not self determination at that point. <laughs> No. Man, I'm so fat. Have you ever played any other claymation games or like watched no. claymation videos? Oh, fascinating. I mean, I've watched claymation videos just like whatever this film series was on the original SNL. What was that? And then the Mr. Show. I've, I mean, you know, not games though. Claymation I have seen, but not. Yeah, it was pretty unique. It was just. And the music was really quirky, and the character, the Clayman, was just really quirky and awkward, and there was a lot of personality in the game. Um, was it like a point-and-click type of game? And by that yeah. I mean, like, you move around by pointing on, on Yeah, things. there was like a little clay arrow that would follow your cursor, and you would just click where you wanted the Clayman to go, and click at what he wanted to, what you wanted him to grab, or whatever. Um, what was the the goal of the game? That's a really good question. <laughs> I like skimmed the plot on Wikipedia earlier today, and I was like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I probably, I probably got frustrated and let Clay finish the game, which is usually <laughs> what happens to me with a game. I I don't want to leave them by myself a quitter because that's embarrassing. But usually, I'll get frustrated the difficulty will become an issue and i'll just be like either i'll look up a walkthrough or i'll put in a cheat code or i'll have somebody else like defeat a monster or a boss and then i'll be like okay i finished or "Eh, i don't really care about finishing which (laughs) is probably a moral failing on my part Uh, (laughs) i there's a there's a saying in in game design that I've heard of that if someone quits your game it's it's not the player's fault. It is something about the design. Well, I'm an, a millennial and I accept responsibility for nothing. <laughs> Stop. It's all your all your game's fault. <laughs> I was going to say it was the that relationship between designer and player, but fine, you can <laughs> I'm the hardest you can be sassy. for a developer to get. <laughs> I like it. You um, you hold yourself to high standards. You're like that Not girl really. on Tinder that always swipes left. Is it left? Is it left or right? I've never done Tinder. Is You're, left like you, reject? I, I have no idea. Jamie, I would know. I'm married. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's probably married people that are probably, like, on but I legitimately don't know. <laughs> swipe swipe right. I think is when you have the hots for someone. When you're into someone, right? yeah. That you're, so anyway, you're swiping in the direction of unacceptance. 
Just without even yes, I'm looking like, at the no, bio. No, just... <laughs> no. Zelda, no. Can't finish. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I read a story. You sent it to me recently. It was a story that you wrote when your husband was in- trying to introduce you to games and they introduced you to Legend of Zelda, which it's now the irony, we can we can announce the irony of, of who you've married now. I feel like <laughs> I'm ready Ironically, for Ironically, your guest who does not play video games is married to a gaming scholar. Um, yeah. Dun, so, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, it's a really sweet story. My husband, Morgan O'Brien, uh, several years ago was kind of noticing that I mean I do have a lot of anxiety and I I take medication for it um he was noticing that I was not having a a healthy outlet for anxiety and stress and he was like oh well for Christmas or my birthday I can't remember which but he bought the Nintendo DS with the Zelda you know branding on the device and he said here (laughs) my love (laughs) i love zelda i think you will enjoy it as well and this is how i blow off steam this is how i sort of escape my stress and encouraged me to dive in and take that little stylus and 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 get to work or relaxing (laughs) to work Get to work relaxing. This is this is my world for you in a nutshell. Um, chop chop. You've chop, gotta chop. you gotta do it right. Um, <laughs> gotta hurry up and relax. Gotta hurry up and relax. You gotta do it really well too. Um, no, and so it's gonna I be a test afterwards it. about your exactly. It's uh, and I did enjoy it. Uh, I love Zelda. I, just, I like the world. I like the characters. I like just being able to explore and talk to talk to all the little creatures you encounter but I would get frustrated at certain junctures that were obviously meant to be challenging and therefore rewarding when you you were (laughs) able to master them (laughs) um but I would just get very worked up and uh you know at a certain point I think I threw the stylus across the room um, I would like curse and like terrify my cat it, when I couldn't like play the flute chords that it was telling me to play. Um, <laughs> definitely had to get Morgan to start battling bosses and, and scary creatures because I just got so stressed out and terrified. <laughs> um, I know I was enjoying, I mean, I was enjoying, I was, ha- I was absorbed, I was in it, but when it got to like my eighth death in a row in as many minutes. <laughs> I was just like, this isn't fun anymore, like a four year old. Um, so, and yeah, I wrote a story about um, getting really into this game, but also not connecting to it in a way that my husband did, in a way that relieved stress. It ended up exacerbating. Um, and I, you know, I haven't taken too much time to unpack what that means about me and my personality. <laughs> um, but it was very sweet. He was he was trying to offer me a tool um, that he has used to escape and and kind of work out um, stress. And I just could I just didn't connect mostly because I was focused on doing it well, doing it well the first time. Do, you know. <laughs> um, I couldn't quite wrap my brain around the the reward of many, many losses and many defeats and then the ultimate doing it by myself. <laughs> and That's so interesting. Um, you were not there. You were you were not on deck for the dopamine surge. I guess not, yeah. <laughs> I'll blame it on my brain chemistry. A lot a lot can be blamed on my brain chemistry, but um, it was very sweet, and, and I, I still, I still do love Zelda, and I like playing with a partner who can get me out of hairy situations when, when life in the game gets too real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on my, on my Tumblr, which is a very scary place to be, um, <laughs> I <laughs> wrote about how it was just not, simply not the stress relief that it was promised to be. Um, yeah, for me, I loved I love that story because it, uh, in one, el- 
in one way, it actually gets at that core stress mechanic of video games in terms mm-hmm. of like loving the immersion in the world and like the frustrations with the blocks, which then like make you get even more absorbed in the world because you're like dedicated to solving this issue or beating this boss. And I love that like you had all of those, all of the emotions that game are usually intending to inspire in people you were experiencing but your mind was having like a totally different response to whether or not this was an enjoyable experience if that makes any sense so it's really interesting that like you had all these feelings and they were the correct feelings for that that moment in the sense of what games want to do and you're like "Mm, (laughs) no thanks i have this (laughs) in my brain already like on hyperdrive make it stop (laughs) Ooh, yeah. by this do you mean like the the frustration with failure or with doing things absolutely. not correctly? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've talked um, to another friend of mine uh, just about our professional lives and learning new skills um, is can be a challenge. I'm, I'm sure that's the case for anyone, but you know, the perfectionist type A. I call myself a type A in recovery. <laughs> if I if I don't know how to do something really well the first time, I just consider it not worth doing. Um, which again, I worry about just being a, a simple moral character flaw. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's moral. The world is not always kind to failure. I I think that. Well, one, you're not flawed. You're a beautiful, wonderful, deep human. I'm going to say nice things to you on the internet. Yay! <laughs> um, no, but I, I hear so what you're saying. It's not a flaw, I but mean, yeah, I, I feel like, what is your job situation? And I don't want to, like, throw anyone under the bus. But, I mean, how is how do people in your life respond to moments of failure or of you being seemingly imperfect or not, like, in control necessarily of, of every moment? the closest people in my life are supportive and and I think plenty of people that I've worked with in the past um are completely understanding because it's a very human feeling I think outwardly you're expecting yourself to be able to handle everything and have it all together and and you know know what you're doing and and not be vulnerable but um that's just not how it's gonna be You're going to step in some shit and (laughs) it might be of your own making and that's okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, the story of failure and how failure is okay. I mean, I've read all the pieces about, you know, Silicon Valley and the culture of failure and how failure is really valued in that culture because it means you're trying new ideas and maybe it doesn't work, but you'll just keep trying. And I really admire that. And I'm not... I'm not really sure my personality is attuned to that in any way. Um, so that's something I have to work on. It's something I would, I would like to get closer to. So more, more of a mindful approach to dealing with those feelings and embracing the experience of failure and what it has to teach you and what it can offer you and what it has to teach you. Um, and this is not necessarily related to games. Um, it's just the broader human experience. But now I think, feel like I'm rambling on. About no, it's, it's amazing. Human experience. And now I, I think... want to hide. <laughs> you have not failed. You cannot <laughs> rage quit this game. This <laughs> Awful. <is> <laughs> I have. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when you first started noticing trepidations about failing? I realize this is delving deep maybe into your childhood. But, like, do you remember an experience of failure that really, like, struck home as a young person or as an older person? An experience of failure that I – that – just as emblazoned on my memory I can't um can't think of a specific one I mean I I 
I, I'll, I'll say this. My parents, um, whenever I did something naughty, like draw on the walls or whatever, lie, um, they said that they never really had to punish me, that I would punish myself. And so I think I just, I have a, uh, tendency to just be like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, by punish yourself by drawing on the walls, you mean like you looked at the drawing and were like, this drawing is garbage. No. <laughs> like put just, yourself in no, time out. Knowing that that was the wrong thing to do and that my parents were upset and like they wouldn't have to send me to my room or ban TV. I would just like crawl in the closet and cry. I sound <laughs> like a, a very sad and tragic child, but um were you but the no, other child by the I was the period? oldest. The oldest, oldest. Yeah. But no, I think I, I took a lot of responsibility on my shoulders for whatever reason. Not that I needed to. Um but That's yeah, bad. I think I, I expected a lot of myself. So failure, um I can't I can't pull up like a specific I didn't make the team or <laughs> um anything like that because I really didn't not that I didn't fail but I did well um yeah there's not one like huge catastrophic failure that that sunk me you know um I think it's just I don't know the the community I grew up in I'm sure everybody has this but it was very image driven, um, wealthy that suburb whole, in Alabama. Yeah. What will people, <laughs> the what yeah. will people think? Uh... The, the Southern Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was no like uh, specific incident. Um, and yeah, I, I see sure. it in other members of my family too. So it's, it's, we've all got it. We've all got it. It's <laughs> special. It's a gift. It's a motivation. <laughs> reach for the stars even if you fail you'll never tell anyone (sighs) you'll have mascara streaked eyes looking up to the stars (laughs) drama i love it drama so you've told me before that you enjoy tabletop games which yeah do you find what is it about tabletop games that you find i guess more palatable than than with video games um, I'll say that I enjoy tabletop games when I don't have to be like the rules master. If I'm told what to do and uh, with a great group of people, which is usually the case, I have a great time. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm, I don't get insecure and stressed out worrying that I'm not understanding something or um, but in my in my gaming history, if we're going <sighs> to, um, no, this is going to be a total bummer episode. No, I mean, I have a, had a friend, uh, who really loved tabletop games. He was really into Dungeons and Dragons and all of that. And so I had a, a good couple years, good several years where we had just like great experiences as a gaming group. Um, and I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure I can recapture that experience, but um, I think it's just so, it's so tied to the personal for me. Um, tabletop games are fine. It's not something I'm desperate to go out and schedule another <laughs> gathering. <laughs> um, you don't, you don't have it. Of... Uh, don't have it on your <laughs> Facebook planner. Yeah, no, it's not. So it's it's probably along the same lines as any kind of video or computer game but in the past I think I've had more concentrated um meaningful experiences playing tabletop games um just because it's more of like a it's less screen time it's more interpersonal can be more collaborative and more tactile um yeah, and then there's usually food and drink right there <laughs> on the table, <laughs> which makes a huge difference for me. The lifeblood of every game. Exactly. Really good. I mean, do you 
So for games that you've enjoyed, you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, which was tied to a, a very specific like emotional moment with a, a friend group. Are mm-hmm. the other tabletop games that you've remembered enjoying were they also kind of narrative based? Yeah. Um so uh, not House on Haunted Hill because that's actually the film. Um <laughs> right? <laughs> it's uh crap. someone watches it's an, it's many an Arkham, movies. Yeah, Arkham Heart kind of inspired tabletop game. Um, it might be House on like, Haunted Hill. That's is it? Okay. I'm I have the internet right in front of me. I'm not even looking up. Um, Let me Google but, House on Haunted Hill game. Is that right? Uh, betrayal at House on the Hill. Be- betrayal. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. I remember having um, a good time playing that and that it was collaborative and you were, as far as I remember, all trying to escape some kind of monster that was coming for you. Arkham Horror is also fun. Um, but yeah, I think you're picking up on something that it's usually narrative-based. Munchkin I really enjoyed. Um, and then I can kick everybody's ass in Scrabble. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no problem. I was going to ask if you ever enjoyed like the more traditional board games like Scrabble or Monopoly or like Sorry or... I remember like, checkers or chess or any of that stuff. Mm, yeah, I mean <laughs> Scrabble. I loved playing with my high school friends, um, just because they would come out with some fascinating vocabulary. Um, we would play. Um, hmm. I, I like. I don't. I just. I mean, it's more about the people that I'm playing with. It's not necessarily tied to the specific gameplay um, in terms of remembering the board games that I enjoyed growing up. Um, now, my family and I play Mexican dominoes. What is a Mexican uh, dominoes? Oh, I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's not terribly complicated narrative-wise. Um, <laughs> but it just... Yeah, you know, several glasses of wine in, and my mother starts telling my father that, calling my father terrible names, and it's just very entertaining. <laughs> is that the um, the point of of Mexican dominoes? <laughs> well, no. I mean, you can screw up, you can screw over other players, oh, okay. and that's when it gets real ugly. Um, but uh yeah i mean i'm 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 probably more attracted to the more simple games i mean i'm not going to call myself a simple person um, very complex like a fine <laughs> a fine one like, a little nutty like, <laughs> when my 92 year old grandmother tried to teach me bridge i was like i just i can't, I can't. I can't. Um, <laughs> to be fair, bridge is incredibly complicated. It's very complicated. Was, Have you ever tried um, to play euchre? No. Oh, it, it is sounds even scarier. It sounds like a looter, <laughs> but a game. It's a game that you play with four people. Um, it's also collaborative. Once you get the rules, it makes sense. But I swear, it took me ten run-throughs of this game to really fully comprehend, like what was happening, like around me with my family. Um, but now it's become my my family's a a big card game player. We've always yes. grown up playing games, especially card yes. games, not like the more complex nerdy ones. In fact, the less narrative, the better it seems like with a lot of the games my mom likes. Um, but it's things like sequence or Scrabble or she really loves word games. Oh um, yeah, I love word games. I love word games. Yeah, yeah I got this she's game. just like Bananagrams. She got really into yeah, that for a while. My mom and I love Bananagrams. <laughs> um, yes, yes. I got a, a a game for Christmas one year, six word memoirs, and it's like a timed challenge where you have to like describe the Beatles in six words, and you can't obviously use the Beatles. Um, and so people, you know, use it, but you have to use six words exactly. So you. It's not like six words or less, um, and I really like that game. Um, how about how are you at um, party games like charades? I'm decent at charades. 
um the what's the iphone or cell uh, smartphone game that you play while you're waiting for your restaurant table um, <laughs> is it the one heads up or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i like that that's when you've used that game how long do you wait at restaurants for your table i've to this day never seen anyone play heads up while waiting in line. where are you going to the crab shack in florida jamie i mean you're gonna wait <laughs> <laughs> like joe's crab shack i mean no but a crab shack a, a popular family destination I, I I I clearly will obviously um, participate when gaming is happening. Um, it is just not something that I that I pick up um, to satisfy a need for me personally. Now I will say um, when I was writing my undergrad um, creative writing project. Um, I did a lot of procrastination. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) I think I found at Target this Care Bears CD-ROM, the Carolot Jamboree game. Is that a CD? It's a CD, Jamie, that I put in my laptop whenever I needed like a little break from my dark and depressing creative writing thesis or whatever. Uh, I think there was like a total of six games, but my favorite was you just shoot different colored flowers at this rainbow. No, so there's like a circle of flowers that starts out. Okay, so, okay. Imagine there's a a flower gun on one corner of your screen. And it starts this circle, right? Slowly. Is it a gun shaped like a flower, or? Uh, that's an excellent question. I can't remember, but you. But it shoots flowers. Okay, so there's there's flowers coming out of this like, um, it's like a like a uh an assembly line. So all these flowers come out, okay, and they start to do this arc at the top of your screen, and you have a flower gun, and you try and shoot a flower. To match the color of the flower that's coming up. Am I making any sense? It's v- very simple. So this game was basically a uh, a color matching first person shooter. Sure, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> I was just firing uh, differently colored flowers <laughs> and trying to get them to merge with the same colored flower and then they would pop in a very satisfying way and and you couldn't let the flower chain build up too much otherwise you lost oh. so you're shooting shooting the flowers to make space you know so the flower chain didn't get too long it's very complicated Jamie. that sounds amazing um but it was hypnotic and i would put that in while i was trying to escape from my so i mean and oh okay the q w o p there's probably another way to say it. The the running game that you have on the internet where you press QWOP and try and make the game the the man stay upright. Have you encountered this before? No, like you're controlling its limbs and stuff? Yes. And so <laughs> it's more just like you can crack yourself up cuz it's so funny. Um but there's just like a track man in his gym shorts and he starts out wobbling and you just press your Q and W and your O and P to keep him, keep his equilibrium going. And then, you know, <laughs> if you, if you get the right rhythm going, he can start to walk or run, but mostly he just falls over. <laughs> and that, I guess there must be something to the comedy of that failure that is very uh, cathartic for me. So Care Bears Carolot Jamboree and the QWOP Running Man game are probably my two favorite. (laughs) That's interesting. So like you you mentioned like failure in the in the Quap game is like comical. So like therefore less less stressful. Right. Oh, that's Um, interesting. I've seen Morgan, my husband, play some kind of meat ball. Game. Super Meat Boy? Is it like a Super giant... Meat Boy? And Maybe, yeah, yeah, you get like obliterated by Yeah, yeah. You're like blades. jumping around. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
I mean, I would get obliterated. Like, it's a little too advanced for that my... That is a stressful game. Poor little fingers. But watching <laughs> it... <laughs> watching it is hilarious. <laughs> um, I will definitely watch people fail in games and catharsis <laughs> out of that but when it's me not okay all of a sudden. <laughs> you're using our failure for your own i mean uh, yeah i'd be a great own... nero I, mean, <laughs> I mean that's so excellent yeah i've been um some i'm gonna throw an idea off of you because okay. I, I think that you would be a good antithesis to to something I've been batting around in my mind for a while. So I'm I've been really invested recently in this idea that playfulness will somehow save us. <laughs> Makes and sense. From the the dark masses that be um like I, I think having a playful attitude towards like conversation, towards work. And I'm not talking about like gamification, like trying mm. to convince people that their labor for free is fun or anything like that, but like this, this inherent idea of like flexibility and, um, I don't know, comical shifting. But I've I've been realizing in previous conversations and in this conversation that my tendency towards wanting to like implant games or get people to think about making games in a lot of my educational settings might actually be off-putting to a certain group of people. And I don't know if it's like off-putting in a way that would be a positive growth or if mm. like the way that I'm incorporating games into classrooms or into curriculum would actually be um, a positive. I, and I, that's up to you. Like, I don't know if you have any thoughts on if you had a teacher who was trying to incorporate game playing into curriculum, would you find that to be something interesting or would you find that to be off-putting? So looking at it from the student's perspective, um, if I'm casting my memory back, I would probably get very stressed at the proposal that we're going to play a game um, <laughs> as a class. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Um, but, I, you know, it would be a... Because a, I've read about what you've done at your temple... Um, I bet it is a useful teaching tool. Now, I, my, my question back to you is, how do you handle the the kids who maybe aren't totally on board or aren't 100% comfortable? Um, are they immediately a parent? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> can you tell the kid who's like, I don't want to be here um, for this game? <laughs> Yeah, I I can actually. It's um and I and I haven't figured out a great way to deal with it. So there's there's two different sides to the uncomfortability. There's one where I think it's related to your uncomfortability where there's a fail state, right? And yeah. even though I'm setting it up as a game and it's not there's not a grade. You can't fail Judaism and they know that and they know they can't fail religious school, but there's still this idea that failure is bad and as much as I try to make an environment and and we do try really hard to make an environment where it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to fail there's so much going on in the broader culture that says that failure is unacceptable that it's hard to like take that concept away from them and the two hours a week I we get with them right and I feel like a a lot of parents understandably might want to shield their children from experiences of failure or humiliation or though, you know, I mean, as a parent, I can empathize with wanting to protect your child from experiencing that. But a part of me thinks, you know, well, if you experience those feelings in a game setting over and over again, it's like practice or it's like desensitization to, the emotions that are associated with failure, which is shame, you know, embarrassment. Um, So, you know, and things that I've read for, you know, vulnerability studies and resilience. So you keep experiencing those negative and painful emotions and you get better at dealing with them. So when you're talking about it in an educational standpoint, I would 
being where I am, <laughs> remembering how what kind of child I was, like it, I should have been pushed, and I'm sure I was pushed to experience those emotions and kind of just develop a little bit of a thick skin to deal with it, and then share in the experience of everybody feeling that, you know, like pointing to another student who might seem very self-assured, not pointing them out as (laughs) (laughs) the cute kid over here failed too. Um, But, you know, there's a community in a classroom setting. There's, you know, there's a bonding element there um, that you can achieve with kids. Um, And looking back at uh, my experiences, in education and in classroom settings, I, I do think it it would be a valuable way to teach a myriad of lessons, humility, teamwork. Um, I think it's a good tool. Um, but I, yeah, I... Just that you would hate it. <laughs> it would be a good I tool. Would pro- I and mean, you would yeah, hate it. Look- <laughs> Looking at, like, little Bailey, I would probably be like, please let me out of here. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that kids need a lot of encouragement within, you know, a certain um, threshold. And if, if they're copping out just to protect themselves, um, I get it. I was there. Like, that's my impulse, too. Um, but there are good lessons to be learned from uh, those experiences, um, if that makes any sense. It makes tons of sense. And I guess then my taking it a different direction where, so, so far I've been thinking about games mostly as games where there is a win or a lose state, which that's not all the type of games that, that exist. I'm thinking of your love of like narrative games, which maybe if we had like a narrative game in the classroom, Mm-hmm. It would be, especially if it was, like, more anonymous, I'm thinking of, like, storytelling games where yeah, maybe you got to, like, submit story. I don't know. I'm making up a game on the spot. But, like, <laughs> submitting storylines anonymously that other people have to, like, complete or continue, all that stuff. So it's if you like had improv, a... but private. <laughs> <laughs> private. <laughs> private improv. <laughs> Diary improv. Uh, yeah, basically. But so if you had that, which I... Am I going out too far on a limb by saying that you would actually enjoy something like that in a classroom or just enjoy participating in like a, a playful storytelling romp? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, it just sounds like brainstorming, which is some of the best times I've had with friends is just coming up with all kinds of ideas. Um, and that's why I like the, the openness of Dungeons and Dragons where you can just use your imagination and, you know, create whatever narrative tangent you want. Um, I think if I were the kid in that classroom setting and that game, that kind of game was proposed, I'd be like, oh, well, here's something that feeds to my strengths, which is, you know, imagination, um, you know, storytelling, character, that kind of thing. Um, And not so much skill or um <laughs> recall or speed or you know <laughs> strategy yeah, <I> love <laughs> Ugh, all those words um yeah so do you morgan plays much much different types of games i get the sense than like the narrative open-ended no fail state games is that is yeah. that correct by and large, like when he's just wanting to blow off steam, he'll play what he's playing right now, which is Overwatch, um, some some war game. <laughs> um. <laughs> you are you will not be quizzed. I'm I'm just curious uh. if like so I'm imagining Jamie teacher trying to mm-hmm. design this curriculum that's in, incorporating some sense of um, playfulness, and by I'm using mm-hmm. the word playfulness to describe some sense of game. And I'm imagining butting up against this this kind of divide over what feels fun and exciting for people to do. So, right, I might yeah. have the, the Morgan students who are like, no, like, I want to know when I win. Like, I want to overcome these obstacles through, like, hard work and perseverance and skill. 
and you're like, dude, I just want to talk about weird stuff for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like trying to to navigate both of those ideas of what a game is and what what is fun and what is and I'm going back to actually I'm thinking of your word danger zone like what feels dangerous to in a people. good way or in a bad way yeah. yeah well I'm just thinking like maybe the open-endedness of some games is actually very scary for a lot of people who want clear structure and yeah and clear and... indication of when they have succeeded and when they have failed mm-hmm. and I've, yeah. I've actually met people who find the open-endedness of some of these narrative games to be like anxiety producing because it does not tell them if they're doing it right right like there's no indication that you are playing this story game better or worse than than oh, other that people is, that's liberating <laughs> I mean, I just like <laughs> i guess just a difference in personality and preference um yeah, yeah. No, that'd be a, an immense challenge to get a, a group of kids who probably span that spectrum between the two extremes and trying to figure out what works for everyone. Um, yeah, and when it and when it doesn't, thinking about what styles of play are we going to privilege, which I think is is it comes down to is like what play style are we do we focus on? And I think largely yeah. the larger when we think of game. Even now, when I like brought up this example, I didn't even specify that it was a game with like a win or a lose. It was just assumed that that was the kind of game right. I was talking about. Like in my mind, that's what I assumed it was. And then it took me a second to be like, "Wait, there's like other types. <laughs> there are other types of games." <laughs> well, and there's other types of of play. Like you're using game and play. Like when uh, you're a kid and your neighbor comes around and says, "Hey, you want to play?" For yeah. a lot of the times, for me, it was just like, let's pretend our backyard <laughs> is, you know. Lava. Lava, right. <laughs> and and that's play. And there's, you know, you, the rules can change depending on, you know, how you're feeling or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think there was a good example. Well, it's not a direct corollary, but I think a lot of the frustrations Morgan voices to me, which I confess that I about the games that he's playing since I don't play. Um, a lot of it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I get it. Nobody wants to be a medic. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there are roles that, that, that you know what I'm sorry. About. He's like, nobody wants to be a medic on my team. <laughs> I guess I have to be a medic. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Morgan is like a six foot seven. He's not really six foot seven, but he's close. And I'm just imagining tall. him like, like um, oh, I have to pouting, the, the like hunched over. Party his... here and I have to be the medic. <laughs> um, but no, everybody has a different strength to contribute. And so if you were to design a game that you wanted to incorporate the kids who maybe wanted to weave in story or whatever you know assign different roles or you know make volunteer roles for for different for action and for skill and then for you know imagination and um problem solving or something like that um yeah it's an interesting yeah I also I often argue that when you ask students to play games and that can be children or adults that the types of games they play reflect values that they have and I'm not saying this is 100% accurate but like if you have a group of students who they get together and the game they make is one that emphasizes um, competitiveness and like skill as you were talking about that means they're valuing competition and skill and vice versa if you have a group of students who's making a game that's valuing storytelling and collaboration it means that they're valuing, like, imagination and working with other people. But I'm now right. actually beginning to wonder if it's not just values, but also safety zones. Like, things that make us feel safe, that make us feel like um, we are okay. Yeah, because yeah. so much of play depends on this idea that it's, like, low stakes and that it's, like, Low stakes, enjoyable, like not going to damage you beyond all 
like all right. repair. So if there's a certain type of of existing in the world that feels dangerous to you mentally, physically, or otherwise, in a way that is preventing you from fully immersing yourself in that experience. It has it's less to do with values and more to do with comfort, which I think kind of flips on my head a lot of things I've thought about before when talking to people about game design that it they might be both comfort and values, but Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I I mean, well, the type A per- part of me is like, I, 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 I can be challenged. I can handle it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but if you're gonna um, it be in play and find it valuable and escape, you know, you you probably need to be comfortable, or at least on a, in a mode of play that suits. Yeah, like you're saying, your values and makes you feel good, makes you feel like you're accomplishing something and being creative or destructive <laughs> if you're playing. They they could Call be argued duty to be the, the same thing. <laughs> what is it? A Freud like creation and destruction are two sides of the same coin. That makes total sense. <laughs> I haven't read Freud in like ten years. <laughs> no, me neither. He's a dirty old man. <laughs> He played mind games. Those were the types of games Freud liked. Well, thank you so much for um, responding to all of those, like, out-of-the-blue questions. It's been, I I think as someone who thinks about playfulness in games a lot, talking to someone who is, has a higher, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Has an, a specific palette. <laughs> yeah, is is really helpful for thinking about how are people responding to games? Like, what is it about games that is inspiring certain reactions? And it can't necessarily be predicted in easy ways. Me bringing a game into the classroom isn't as simple as me making the the classroom fun. Like, bringing right. a game into class isn't a guarantee that the children will feel safe and, like, it's okay to fail. And, like, like right. the game isn't going to do all of those things for me, so... Well, I was challenged uh, recently in a, oh, this is the bleakest and most soul-bearing episode you'll ever post, but I was in therapy and my, my therapist was like, well, gamify your thinking. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about that earlier today. It's, you know, she was encouraging me, encouraging me to think through different possible outcomes, you know, you know weighing multiple factors and outcomes, um, you know, imagining alternative realities. Um, you know, I was just trying to think, well, what does she mean by gamify my life or like my future? And I think the 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 lessons that I took away from that are like, you know, games help teach you help teach you the skills to you know, recognize threats and deal with them. Or, um, like I said, imagine alternative realities be like, okay, well, if I did this, what would happen? Or if this happens, what does this mean? And I think games provide a, a an avenue to kind of sort through those problems. Um, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does, and I, I think for I I sometimes will be on the anti gamification route, but in thinking about what you've been dealing with and what the anxieties that you're that you struggle with in terms of like failure and perfection and all of that, there's something about gamifying things where you reward yourself for small incremental developments, and I think that can be rewarding because it's kind of like when you break down a task into manageable parts. Like gamifying kind of breaks down something into manageable parts, like your your experience, right, into right. different things and then tells you that you should celebrate and reward yourself for these small achievements. 
which right, seems I mean, small, like, but add up like, of Zelda, you have to get to the mountain. You have to get to the peak of the mountain. You have to go through all of these little worlds and sort through all of these little things before you get there. Yeah, and like some of the joy is like getting wrapped up in those those small things. And I I think when people say gamify, they they usually are talking about breaking things up and then like giving yourself like experience points or rewarding yourself for like achieving things. And I, will I never <laughs> declare to myself that I am giving myself experience points. <laughs> you can give yourself self care points or like high five points. I mean, you say this now, but I bet if I started giving you gold stars, you'd be like, okay, I mean, then. yes, I do respond to gold stars <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I think rewarding yourself for things that maybe seem silly is, is powerful. I mean, when I play games and you get those silly achievements where it's like, you looked under the rock. Only 5% of people look under the rock. So you get an achievement <laughs> for looking under the rock, for being different. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the rock looker. Like, look at this rock. I looked at it. I looked at it so hard. And I get excited. And then I'm I hear for- you. forever the rock looker. It sounds like I'm saying liquor. I don't like rocks. Rock liquor. I mean, you can look <laughs> rocks if you want to. Thank you. It's very <laughs> accepting podcast. You do you. We don't yuck anyone's yum over here at Gaming Broadcast. Oh my god, I love that. Yucking. Oh, have you have you never heard of that? No. Oh, it's a it's a pretty fun so in youth programs you oftentimes open up with asking them to make a contract and it's the idea is it's a classroom crowd ooh, a classroom contract that everyone including the teachers and the students kind of collectively make and then agree to and a pretty popular one that has come up because it's snazzy is like don't yuck my yum or don't yuck people's yum and don't shit on somebody else's good time or something yeah don't shit on someone's cornflakes oh yeah what a huge bummer i know it would be such a bummer if you're like i love these cornflakes and someone just came and just took a big old hot steaming pile (laughs) it'd be the worst it'd be the worst morning so now it's now in my head whenever someone like says something that they like and someone like poo poos it i'm like oh don't yuck their yum rude into it i'm so into it uh another good one that's very similar is uh throw sparkles not shade (gasps) oh lord i know This is the year of our Lord 2017. And and we have come so far as a people. Oh my God. There's sparkles everywhere. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. Going to be amazing. Um, I think on on sparkles, I think that's actually a good time to, to take it out. If someone wanted to keep up with you. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> they should not they should. <laughs> oh I, I mean I do social media f- for my job so I'm all over that business Facebook so if you want to check out the University of Texas Press yeah or... the University of Texas Press I'll plug my work happily yeah. we do cool stuff I you have a Tumblr cool but I'm embarrassed to share it with anyone <laughs> but um, people could know it exists and then spend hours upon hours searching for the secret Tumblr You've given someone a a goal for their their private game. What is that? Find my Tumblr page? Yeah. Find my old MySpace page, I'm telling you. I've been searching for that thing. Body bag was my username. And somebody please find my MySpace page. (laughs) So you can burn it to the ground? No, it was great. I had some (laughs) pretty terrifying content on that page. I was going hard <laughs> somebody find it body bag um so is that b-o-d-y-b-a-g yeah yeah i was listening to a lot of hip-hop and rap at the time um as you do and yeah yeah no my my i i will i swear update my blog at some point it's alive in 85 all spelled out in real words dot tumblr.com oh that's that's a wonderful nickname and by nickname, Ugh. I mean screen name. Words Ugh. are not happening. Alive in 85. It's, it's bad. Dot um, com. Cool. Well, I will link to it. No no I'm yucking gonna, on, on Bailey if she doesn't update. all of my terrible <laughs> posts now. 
Be brave. You can do it. No. <laughs> There's nothing worse. You already told everyone that you sobbed in a closet as a Jesus, child. Jesus, Jamie, how did you do that? I'm just, I'm that good. I'm drawn out. <laughs> Me and your therapist are in cahoots. We've been planning well, this for years. She's going to have to listen to this, and she's going to have to explain to me why I do what I do. That's <laughs> where so you pay the big bucks. All right. Huh. Well, yeah. on that end, everyone should go find their therapist and talk about their fear of failure or their lack thereof. It's uh, a good exercise. It is a good exercise. I encourage everyone to do it. If you're not into talking about your fear of failure with your therapist, another thing you can do is like and subscribe to the gaming broadcast on iTunes. Leave a comment. Tell me what you're afraid of. Or not. Maybe tell me one thing that you are enjoying, like ice cream. Just kidding. You should definitely tell me the thing you're afraid of. But you can find us on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, any other place that podcasts can be found other than that we will we'll see you next time thanks so much bailey for coming in i love you jamie dale (laughs) i love you too bailey have a good night you too That was fun. I hope I did good. You did wonderfully. I have a fear of failure.